My name is Zach Thompson. Uh, it is a joy of mine to be on staff here at Calvary Bible Church. Uh, I was thinking of when I was a kid, and one of my heroes was Patrick Waugh. Now, if you don't know Patrick Waugh, he was uh, a goalie in the National Hockey League. He played for both the Montreal Canadiens and our very own Colorado Avalanche. Uh, he just so happened to be, as well, one of the greatest goalies to ever play the game. And so I loved watching him play. There were times when the team in front of him would just have an off night, and he would uh, single-handedly almost get them a win himself. He also brought so much joy to my life as he helped the, the team win two Stanley Cups. Uh, he had so much of an impact on me that all while I was growing up, right next to my bed was a poster of Patrick Waugh. But his impact went beyond that, actually. There was a roller rink that was built in the city that I grew up in, so I signed up to be part of, of the hockey league that was there. And I show up, and my coach decides that I'm going to play goalie for the team. Now, this could be, he saw that goalies have to be so athletic and so agile, and he could just see the raw talent within me, and so that's why I got that position assigned. Or, or maybe he knew that you need to have the right mindset to be there when your team was struggling around you to help them get the win, and he saw that in me. Or maybe he saw that I was overweight and took up more of the goal than the rest of the kids. <laughs> I don't know what the reason was. But all before this, I was a skater, so a position that's not a goalie. And so I didn't have any of the goalie gear. If you've ever seen a hockey game, goalies are essentially just covered in gear. They look like human tanks. I don't have any of that. And if there's one thing that's true about hockey, it is not cheap. It is a very expensive sport. And so my parents couldn't get me a whole new set of gear. It was okay, though, because the rink had this shed where they kept used, beat-up gear that you could grab from if you needed anything. So I was going through there, and I was looking at all of their goalie equipment, and I came across a set of pads from this specific company called Coho. Now, I had fallen asleep enough times next to a poster of Patrick Waugh to know that he used this very brand of pads, and so I had to use this very brand of pads as well. It didn't matter that they were too big for me. Uh, it didn't matter that I had to uh, get to the rink super early in order to get them before any other kid could. It didn't matter that sometimes I had a game that, that came after other people's games and a kid would be using them, and so I grabbed them afterwards and put them on even though they were super sweaty. That didn't matter. Patrick Waugh used these pads, and so I needed to use these pads as well. Our heroes have a tremendous impact on us. We see people spend tons of money every year just to go and see their heroes. We people, uh, see people change parts of themselves to be more like them, or uh, we see people make decisions based off of the recommendation of their hero. Our heroes have a tremendous impact on us. But heroes are kind of becoming less of an important thing in our culture. Too often we get burnt by them. Too often we see failures and someone that we looked up to is now letting us down. There's that phrase, don't meet your heroes, because they can look so good from a distance, but when you get up close to them, you see just how human they are. Or we aren't very good at picking heroes. Uh, occasionally, a news story will pop up of this person spent uh, tons of money on plastic surgery to look like their hero, this, this internet sensation who's out of the limelight in three years, and now they've spent all that money to look like someone that we don't know who they are anymore. 
we aren't great at picking heroes, and so it's kind of falling out of the culture a little bit. But there can be good that can come from them. Heroes can inspire us to do uh, better and, and good things. Heroes can give us encouragement in the midst of difficulties. Uh, heroes can point us to a direction that would be good for us to go in. In this passage that we are looking at today, in Hebrews chapter 11, this hall of faith, these heroes of the faith, we get to see those who have gone before us, who are giving us an example of how we can remain in him, how we can place our faith in God and God alone. And this is so important because of the flow of thought in this book that we've been going through. I look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. We read this last week, but I think this explains why we have this whole chapter on these heroes of the faith. It says this, it says, for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. We have need of endurance. There is so much in this life that pulls us to other directions. There's so much that, that it looks worthwhile of pursuing that rather than Jesus. There's so much that looks like this could give us fulfillment. This could give us more of, of who we are. This could help us make us feel more of ourselves than anything else. But Hebrews has been showing us that Jesus is greater than anything else. And so we are to follow after him. We're to endure in pursuing him. But this is hard to do when we feel this temptation. We feel this pull to go to other things. And this is why we saw last week, we have need for endurance and we are given the means to do so. As we remind ourselves of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, it causes us to cling to him. And so we've looked at Jesus throughout this. He is God on high on a throne, and it is eternal. But he is made low to be like us, like us in every way except for sin, that he has come to take the death that was ours so that we can live. He has come to save us completely. He always li lives now to intercede for us. We see all of these phrases of who Jesus is and what he's done, and this causes us to endure. This causes us to cling to him. This causes us to pursue him rather than anything else. As we see more of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, we can endure in him. But this could be hard sometimes still. Sometimes we need something a little bit more concrete than that. When we're struggling with enduring and, and following after Jesus, putting our faith in him, just trying to get the, the, the ability to turn to him, to, to hear these stories again, that, that's hard to do. So sometimes we need a picture. We need an example. We need a hero who can point us in the right direction. And that's what we see in this chapter. Here's what we're working with today. The examples of faith enable endurance. We have a need to endure. We have a need to follow Jesus rather than anything else. He is greater than anything else, but we still feel a pull. We feel a temptation to go to other things. So how do we endure? The examples of faith enable endurance. Now, before we can look at those examples, it, it might be good to define terms. What do we mean by faith? Now, faith is, is one of those words that we all know what it means until we start to try and define it. Uh, it's especially difficult when so many different people have different meanings of the, of the word faith. Uh, 
For some, faith is that belief that, you, that belief that you have, despite everything around you telling you otherwise, despite people around you telling you otherwise, it's the belief that you have to continue on doing it. I have faith that it will work out. And, and sometimes this is admirable. Uh, the, the person who never gives up on their dreams to go and do something. Everyone was telling them, uh, stop doing this. You, you should go and get a real job. But they had faith and they pursued with it. And that's admirable. Other times it's a 50-year-old who's still holding on to a 20-year-old's dreams and it's a little bit less, less admirable. It's a little bit more sad. But faith could be that. It's holding on to a belief despite everything around you telling you otherwise. Faith for some also is uh, this, this hope that you have that, that just things will work out okay. I don't know who's going to make it work out okay, but the universe will shake itself out. Faith could also be kind of uh, this, this other aspect of, of not being so negative. You just got to have faith. Stop being so negative. But this falls short of what the Bible tells us faith is and what it's like. Because in all of these instances, it's, it's how strong your belief is. But that's not what the Bible says is the most important part of faith. Faith, and what's important about it, is the object of faith. And fortunately, as we are trying to define it, Hebrews 11 gives us uh, a bit of a working definition as well. It's not all that goes into faith, but it's, it's enough for us to be working with it as well. And here's what Hebrews 11 says faith is. Faith is belief in God relying on him and acting out of that. I'll give it again. Faith is believing in God, relying on him, and acting out of that. We'll take those three parts in turn. We'll, we'll go with the first one. Faith is believing in God. And to get there, we will look at Hebrews 11, verse 6. It says this, And without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he reward, rewards those who seek him. So th that, that first phrase is really fascinating. Uh, without faith, it is impossible to please God. This is so similar to what we've been talking about these last couple weeks that Jesus has done all the work for us, that he has gone ahead of us as our example, as our great high priest. He has done the work so that we can have access to this God. And without faith in him, well, we don't have the ability to please God. But with that definition that we're working with, what we see here that the start of that is this belief in God. It is impossible to please him, uh, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. And we've been talking about this phrase, draw near to God, since chapter 4. It's to draw near with confidence. Uh, we've been talking about how we have access to him, how we are able to be in his presence, which before was so limited and restrict, restricted. But because of Jesus, we can draw near to him now. This is very personal. This is very intimate. It's a relationship with him that he is offering to us that we so desperately need. And we are able to draw near to him first when we believe in him. This kind of makes sense as a baseline. How do we draw near to something if we don't even know where it's at? That, doesn't, that, that seems hard to do. But it's more than just that he's out there somewhere. It is a belief that he is the God that he says that he is. 
Back in chapter 10, 36, we read it, that he will keep, uh, that he, uh, will keep his promises, that he is making a great reward. And here uh, it is saying that whoever draw near to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. So as we're seeing throughout the Bible, throughout our experience with God, he is making promises. He is saying he will do some things. And as we see that he keeps those, we learn more and more he is the God who he says that he is. What he says he will do, he will do it. Who he says that he is, he is that God. So the start of faith is believing in him. It is knowing who he is. It's not just that he's some being out there somewhere, but it is knowing that he is the God that he promises to be. And as we believe in him, as we turn to him, as we draw near to him, that is the start of faith. Faith is believing in God. But that, that's, not, that's not something that hits us all the same way. As we read this section that we've been going through, as we see the work that God has done for us, but we walk away from that not believing in this God, well, it's going to be hard to put our faith in him. As we hear the promises that are being made and we don't think that God is going to keep those promises, well, it's hard to put our faith in him. And, and why would we want to? Why would we want to put our faith in someone so un, uh, that we can't trust at all, that, that seems so unreliable? But as we are shaped by him, as we see more and more of him revealing himself to us, as we see more and more of him keeping his promises, of him being faithful to unfaithful us, it causes us to turn to him and him alone. Faith starts with believing in God. Faith also has an aspect to where we rely on him. So faith is a belief in God and relying on him. Look at uh, the start of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Do you see those words? Assurance. Conviction. This isn't some passive, wishy-washy feeling inside of us. There is certainty in these phrases. This is a confidence that comes with it. For so many, faith uh, is, is kind of like being on a mountain path at, at night, and it's the foggiest that we've ever experienced in our life. We can't see anything. Uh, our hand in front of our face, we, we can't even see that at all. And as we're walking on this path, there is, for some, faith is this, I know that I will not plummet down the side of this mountain. Why do I believe that? Because I believe that. And that's not what faith is. Instead, faith is being in that scenario, knowing who God is, knowing that God is there, and that we can rely on him, we can trust on him to know where to go. Despite us not being able to see anything, it is a confidence, it is a certainty in this God, and a trust in what he says is good and best for us is actually good and best for us. This isn't something that runs contrary to evidence. This isn't something that is, is anti-intellectual. This isn't asking people just to blindly wander into something because there is a God out there telling us to do something. No, it is based in the evidence. It is based in the consistency of God uh, showing who he is, showing that that's been good. It is based off of what God has done before that we can trust and rely on him going forward. 
because of who this God is, because that he, of him working so faithfully in our life, we can faithfully rely on him as well. So as we turn to him, as we draw near to him, as we trust in him, as the passage says, we can rely on him for all things. And so we're able to endure in this life because this God is so faithful. Now, it says some, th- some things in this, uh, the verse that we read, that it is the conviction of things not seen. And so this, I think, gives us a, a false understanding of faith that we are just kind of going through blindly. But the things that are not seen, it is the promises that God has made that he is yet to keep. We can trust and rely on him that he will, but these are, there are promises that God has made that have yet to take place at this point. So what we are doing is we are enduring now until the day that God keeps all of his promises. That's what we are doing in this life now. That's why we keep talking about this need to endure because we are called to follow after him. There's this temptation to go to other things. There's a temptation to rely on anything other than him while we are waiting on the promises that God has made to fully come true. It is so easy to endure when you can see the finish line in front of you. We can wait much more easily when we have a specific time frame in which to wait. But when it's a time that God only knows that we are waiting, that we are enduring, well, that makes it so much more difficult. And this is why we need all the more to endure, to rely on him. I really like this quote from Martin Luther. He says, faith is a living, daring confidence, confidence, not, a, not just a blind hope, not just a wish, but it is a confidence in God's grace, so sure and certain that the believer would stake his life on it a thousand times. See, as we see more of who God is, as we see that he continues to be the God that he promises to be, as we see more and more the work that he has done for us, we can turn to him, we can draw near, and we can rely on him for all that life would throw at us. Faith is believing in God. It is relying on him. But there is one more part. It is acting out of that as well. Faith produces an action. Faith is demonstrated by some sort of thing that is worked out from that. And that's what this entire chapter is speaking of. To, to illustrate it, uh, Whenever we sit in a chair, it is a demonstration of faith. We are trusting that this thing is going to support me. We are believing that it is going to keep me upright and not collapsing to the floor. With Thanksgiving coming up this week, it's the time that we push our faith in chairs to the, to the brim. As we are full of turkey and yams and stuffing and mashed potatoes and just enough salad to trick ourselves into thinking we're being healthy and then eating all that three more times. Uh, That is when we are putting the most faith that we ever do in a chair. If we're in that situation and someone offers us one, uh, says, uh, come and sit in this chair, and we we say, we believe that this thing could hold me up. I have faith that it will do that. I am trusting it. I am relying that it will keep me upright, and yet we don't sit in the chair. No, I don't want to sit in it. I'm not going to. Uh, Nope. We don't have faith in it. We aren't acting out of that belief. We aren't acting out of that trust. We don't actually have faith 
that it will support us. In the same way, but with God, it's if we say that we believe in him, if we say that we are relying on him, but we do not act out of that faith, we don't have faith in God. That's what this entire chapter is. It is showing the actions of those who had faith. As you read through chapter 11, you see so many names from the Old Testament. We see, uh, we see Abel and, and Noah. We see Abraham and Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Joseph. We see Moses and Rahab, then this whole list of other people in there. And as we hear those names, if we don't know some or even all of them, that's okay. They're, they're uh, characters that we come across in the first few books, even the first few chapters of the Bible. And in Hebrews 11, it gives us a little summary of what it is that they did to help us understand as well. But if you just look over briefly this chapter, you see the same sort of pattern. It says, by faith, dot, dot, dot. By faith, what did these people do? By faith, what did their lives look like? So if we insert our, our, our definition, so these people believed in God, they relied on God, and then what did they do? This whole chapter is by faith, and you get some sort of action verb. So just even looking at it briefly, by faith uh, offered, by faith constructed, by faith obeyed, went, refused, left, and so on. You, you have all of these action verbs that follow it because it is only in the living out of it, it is only in the acting out of faith that we see that faith is actually there. It is the byproduct of faith, it is the proof that there is faith that is there. The passage doesn't say, by faith, Abraham actually didn't leave his father's house. He stayed there until he grew old and died, and the service was lovely. It doesn't say, by faith, Abel never got around to offering God anything. It doesn't say, by faith, Moses saw that Pharaoh's palace was actually pretty awesome, and so he just stayed there. It doesn't say, by faith, David saw how big Goliath was and said, good luck with that. It says, by faith, they acted. They lived out of it. They did something. Faith produces an action. In the same way, when we go back to our, our illustration that we had, mountain path, night, impending plummeting, what we have here is a belief that God is there, a relying on him to know what's best, and then faith is taking that next step, and then the next one, and then the next one. Faith produces some sort of action. Faith uh, is demonstrated by some sort of, of doing something because of who this God is. So as we see this God, as we believe in him, as we rely on him for all that life throws at us, uh, we act out of that, and that is faith. And we're called to endure. We're called to continue to believe in him. We're called to continue to rely on him. We're called to continue to act out of that because clinging to him is greater than anything else that we'll fill our, uh, we could fill our lives with. But this is so hard to do. How do we continue to do that? How do we, in those midst of those uh, circumstances, not have doubts that, that God really is there, that we can really trust him, that this really is the action that we're supposed to take? Well, this is where the examples are helpful. The examples of faith enable endurance. And as we look through Hebrews 11, we come across all of these Old Testament characters. 
Uh, and as a reminder for this, the, the original audience for the book of Hebrews were very familiar with their Old Testament. Uh, they knew these stories. And more than that, these were their heroes. These were the people that they tried to be like most often. If Moses was wearing coho pads, you better believe the audience would have been wearing them as well. These were the people that they looked up to. And so the author of Hebrews grabs the stories that they know and love and already look to for inspiration and help them see these are people who lived by faith. These are your examples of how you are to do the same. This is your hall of faith, your great cloud of witnesses. These examples can help you follow after this God, to cling to him, to believe in him, rely on him, and act out of that. And this is especially important in the midst of difficulty. In, in those times that are so tough, where it is hard to endure, we need to look at those who went through similar things and endured and came out believing in this God still, having faith in him. And that's where we get to that section that we read earlier. Hebrews 11, 32 through 38. Let me, let me read that for us again, just because it's, it's so beautiful. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah of David and Samuel and all the prophets, which already, like a little throwaway here, like how great is it that I get to use this as a cop-out? Like we don't have to spend all this time going through this. We can still get out of here on time because he's saying we don't even have time in this passage. Uh, Verse 33, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. And we hear of this, and we, it, there, there's so much that's inspirational in this passage. Like, I too wish I could do something like this in faith. I too, in the midst of difficulty, because you don't need to do any of this unless if there's difficulty going on. In the midst of difficulty, I too wish I could act this way, to live in this way, to have faith in this way. And yet it doesn't always look so prosperous. It doesn't always look like a triumph. It doesn't always look immediate that there is a requiring of patience because look what else is our example of faith as well something that isn't as glorious. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went out in the world. Uh, They went out in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. We hear this. We hear what by all accounts looks like success, and we hear by all accounts looks like failure, and yet it's the same faith that is inside of that. So as we look at those who have gone before us, as we look to those heroes who are our example, who in the midst of difficulty give us the encouragement, show us the way, give us the hope to cling to God in all things, we have both success by our eyes and failure by our eyes, but it is both success because it is clinging to this God. They are example of faith that no matter what the circumstances are, 
Clinging to this God is greater than the alternative, that they are examples who continue to remind us to do so when we too feel like we're going through struggles in this life, when we too feel like there's nothing triumphal about what's going on, when we too are wondering, is this even worth it to continue on? They show us yes, regardless of the circumstances, that believing in him, relying on him, and acting out of that is the best and only way for us to live. And these examples, these heroes help show us that. Now again, these are the stories that this audience knew. These are the people that they already had as heroes. So it's showing them the faith that these people had to encourage them, to inspire them, to have faith as well in those times when it's difficult, in those times when it's, it's most challenging to endure. But these might not be our heroes, these might not be the stories that most resonate with us. These might not be those who in, inspire us to grow and continue in faith as well. Maybe it is a different character in the Bible. We, we hear those ones, we, we might know these stories, we might not, but, but other stories might come to mind. And, and as we continue to, to read those stories, they help inspire us to have faith as well. Maybe it's a, a different character in the Bible than the ones who are listed here. For me, it's Abigail who we read about in 1 Samuel 25. She's always been so inspirational for me. By faith, Abigail subverted uh, the norms and laws of the time to follow God and God alone. It's an incredible story. You might have a different one rather than, than her. Or, or maybe it's not someone in the Bible, but someone that we've had some experience with in our life. A pastor or an author might come to mind who's helped strengthen our faith. Or maybe we think of those missionaries that we help support. We had the Moxnesses here a, a few months ago who, uh, by faith, saw that raising their family in a foreign land was worth it to get the gospel, to get the Bible in the hands of this remote village that's there. We prayed for the halls today that we don't even say the, the country that they're going to because that could have an impact on their ability to, to minister there. And yet they see that going with a young kid, with another on the way, they see that as worth it for the sake of the gospel. Maybe we think of others and, and we have these heroic type actions in our mind, missionaries or, or, or people who are set aside, people like in this passage who are doing these incredible things. But I think that we can have a greater definition of heroes than that. Because as you look through Hebrews chapter 11 and all of the people that come through it, and if you go and read their stories, time and time again, we see them act in a way that seems so unheroic. We see these heroes of the faith oftentimes live in a way that it's hard to say that they're having faith. Abraham, time and time again, was told to wait by God and felt like that was taking too long, so he took things over into his own hands and messed things up. Or he was told that, that God was going before him and he was to rely on him, and yet he was uh, scared or, or, or didn't think that was going to work, and so he did things himself and messed things up, it's, and yet he's a hero of the faith. Or Moses, who uh, showed a lack of trust in God's promises so much so that he wasn't even able to enter the promised land. We see these people throughout uh, Hebrews chapter 11, these heroes of the faith, act so unheroically, act at times so faithlessly. And we said before that phrase, don't meet your heroes, 
And yet I think that that is something that's even better here. Because as we see these people, these heroes, these examples for us, and as they show that they are flawed, that they fall short, I think that encourages us even more, that we too can continue in the faith. We too can endure because we too are flawed. Because here's the ultimate truth. The most important thing about faith is who you put it in rather than how strong it is. So it is a faith in a, it's not a perfect faith, but it is a perfect God. It is not doing great works, but it is trusting in the great works that have been done for us. It, it isn't constant success, but it's constantly turning to this God who has proven to be faithful, and so we can be faithful to him as well. And it also helps us to expand who our heroes might be. It doesn't have to be people who uh, were, were faithfully, uh, who never made a mistake at all, but they knew to turn to God after those mistakes. It isn't people who did uh, tremendous works at all times, but those who trusted in this tremendous God. So as we think of who our heroes of the faith mean, maybe it is those who do heroic, incredible actions, or maybe it is those who just were a constant picture to us to constantly turn to this God. When I think of one of the heroes of the faith for me, uh, I could easily come to any number of the, the popular pastors that I've been able to have access to, or could go to incredible theologians or biblical scholars that I've gotten to have time with. But for me, one of the heroes of the faith is Fred Moulter. And Fred Moulter is Emily's grandpa. And he is this incredible man. He uh, has raised, uh, helped raise four kids. He, he's worked in the lumber business for countless years. And, and I say countless because he's still doing it. Each year we think this is the year he retires, but, but he is still working. He loves his role. He loves that he gets to represent Jesus there. He loves his coworkers. Every time I'm talking with him, he's, he's sharing details about his life that I, I barely know details about Emily's life. And, and yet he knows his coworkers so well and how to care for them that, that he, he does so. He's such a great picture of that. When, when Emily and I were dating, she was living with her grandparents. And I remember so many times of going over to pick her up for something. And there's Fred in his office just reading his Bible. No audience, no fanfare, just faithfully hearing from this God. When, uh, before Emily and I were dating, I was, I was living with a family, and, and Fred would be there Tuesday nights. He led a Bible study in that house, and just uh, taking everything that God was showing to him, not formal training, not, ex, uh, not, not uh, this expert in it, but just taking what God was teaching him and trying to help that shape other people. I mentioned that he and his wife, Jeannie, who uh, is remarkable by her own right, they, they raised four kids. And, and out of that, you have a pastor, uh, a full-time missionary in Africa. You have uh, people who helped raise their own kids to know and love God. And, and in all four of those kids, there's a heart to care for those in need, those around them, Th this tremendous heart to, to care for people. So in short, it's four remarkable kids that they raised. And yet every time there's a gathering, everyone gets quiet for Fred. As Fred shares what God has been placing on his heart, this deposit of faith, this encouragement, this example to be faithful to this God. By faith, Fred is a good man, but he is an even greater example of faith. 
So my question for you is, who is your example? And this is one of those times where it's an actual question. It's not a rhetorical one for you to ponder. I, I want to hear. And you don't need to go in anywhere near as much detail as I did, even just a name. Who is someone in your life or in the Bible that as we have difficulty come, as we have a temptation to cling to anything else, who is the reminder that faith, believing in God, relying on him and acting out of that, that is the best way for us? Would love to hear, even just a name. Who are your examples of faith? Who is in your hall of faith? Hmm. That's good. Hmm. That's great. It's hmm. a good one. Who is in your hall of faith? good. One or two more? Missed that a little bit. Bill. Bill. Is there another one at the same time? It's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. We have a need for endurance. There's so much in this life that could pull us off to other things. There's so much in this life that we might pursue rather than Jesus. There is so much that can get us off course. And so we have a need for endurance. Those who can, and we need those who can be our examples. The examples of faith enable endurance. We need those who can be there, whether it's reading about them or in our lives, who can be there to help remind us in those times when it just seems so much easier to give up. It just seems like our lives would be much more simple. It seems like we would avoid so much pain or hardship if we just stopped. And yet we need those people who can say, yes, it would be easier, but Jesus is greater. Let me pray for us. Father, we are so grateful that you know us, that while you have given us all that we need to be saved and follow for you, that we are so easily led astray, that you have the, the picture of who you are and what you've done, and that inspires us as we see that again, as we hear the gospel afresh, it drives us towards you, and yet sometimes that's hard as well. And so you give us examples. You give us people Stories in the Bible, stories in history, people in our lives who can help point us back to you. You've given us so much, and yet you also give us the means to endure. You give us examples of faith. Help us to, to remind, be reminded of those that you have placed in our lives. Help us to discover new people in, in your texts that you've given to us and in history where you have been faithfully working who can help us as well. Help us grow in faith, to believe in you, to rely on you, and to act out of that. See you and you alone, we pray. Amen.